0: Welcome to the Ian podcast. This time, two things criminals know about violence that you should know too. Hello everybody, I'm Ian and welcome to the podcast. You've got two podcasts this month. So you've got this one, which is the information-based one, and we've also got the 15-minute warrior workout one, which is a a workout podcast. So there's a video that goes along with that. If you pop along to the website, ianabernethy.com, you'll be able to view that video. That'll show you how you do all the various exercises and drills. You then listen to the podcast, and it'll take you through this workout, which is 15 minutes long. you can always find 15 minutes in a day. Pretty tough workout, but it's ideal you know, for those days where you haven't got a lot of time and you just want to get some training in, you know. So um, we used to do those quite a bit, actually, those workout podcasts, but we haven't done any for a little while and people do seem to like them. But I'm also aware that you know people like the monthly dose of information too, so I've been really kind to you and given you both this month. Uh, Quick bit of news: We've got the app is nearly done, which should be out in a couple of weeks. So we've got um, an iPhone app, work for Android as well. Um, It's a a, a pocket encyclopedia of bunkai. Hours and hours of of video, which we're going to be adding to every week. We've got sections on, like you know, grappling drills, pad drills, uh, divided up by all the various kata from all the different kind of. Styles of karate as well really broad appeal, I think it 'll have, and then we 're going to update it every week i want I want plenty of kind of feedback from people what you want to see, what questions you want me to answer you know I think it'll be a really kind of useful tool hopefully for for, for everybody and um I mean there's hours and hours and hours of footage already put together for it so I say we'll be adding to it week on week on week. So if you watch this space, uh, if you subscribe to the newsletters at com if you haven't already done so and keep an eye on kind of Facebook and Twitter and stuff and once we're uh, we're ready to launch we will be sure to let you know. So the theme for this month's podcast is two things criminals know about violence that you should know too. And it's related to the um, Thinking Like a Criminal podcast we put out a few months ago. But this one is more focusing on the physical side of things. Because it's one of these things, it's a bad habit, and I see it a lot, where people talk with authority about criminal violence while making the assumption that it is exactly like the kind of violence that they know and understand. So, for example, you know, you'll see karate guys describe kind of defending themselves against very formal karate technique. And you will see kickboxers talk about you know self defence. of so the guy squares off and he moves like this. So they've, they've made criminal violence into a kickboxing bout because they understand that. I was watching a video this week where there's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy was explaining. you looked at oh, If you fall to the floor and when the guy drops down and tries to get on top of you, well, people just don't do that. Criminals don't do that. If you hit the floor, they will put the feet into you. That's what they will do. They don't say, okay, this is a chance to kind of work my pins and holes and let's go down and have a roll. It's just it's, it doesn't happen that way. And it. it it's a Statistically, it doesn't, and anyone with any experience will tell you that it doesn't. So if we're doing self-defense, we need to look at the reality of violence, uh, how it really is, not kind of superimpose how we would like it to be onto it. We're taking a uh, an agreed consensual violence format and trying to make it into a non-consensual violence format and they're just very different so we did the, the the broad brush stuff in the thinking like a criminal podcast you know and in this one i just want to talk about the physical about two things that criminals know well and use well to help ensure that their violence is effective as possible um, so, I, I hope you'll find it an interesting podcast, because I do feel this is important, because I, I feel generally on the self-defense side of things, it's still not as it should be within the martial arts circles. You can The martial arts are great, you know, you can do it for for fun, for fitness, for health, for sport, enjoyment, all those things are awesome, and we should do all of that stuff but when it comes to self-defense side of stuff we need to get it right you know we we can't pretend things are different from how they actually are just because it, it suits our own our own narrative so so yeah so let's get into the podcast so two things criminals know about violence that you should know too As you'll know, I recently put out a podcast which discussed the need to be able to think like criminals if we're going to be able to effectively protect ourselves from them. That podcast focused on wider self-protection issues, whereas in this short one I want to focus on the physical side of things. In particular, I want to uh, quickly discuss two key elements of the criminal's approach to violence that generally makes them far more effective in using violence than, than most martial artists. So the first point is, criminals keep it very simple, whereas martial artists tend to overcomplicate. I was recently talking with my friend uh, Steve Williams, who you'll uh, know from the Extreme Impact uh, downloads, at a British Combat Karate Association event. Uh, Steve made the point that in all his years of working in the prison service, he'd never heard a criminal describe the specifics of how they intended to approach a violent situation. Ask a martial artist how they would deal with a given scenario and you'll get a detailed and technical answer. Ask a criminal the same question and you'll get something along the lines, well I'd smash him, you know, I'd F him up. The criminal isn't thinking in terms of technique as martial artists do, but instead they think in terms of mindset and strategy. And this alone can make criminals way more effective than a technically skilled martial artist. And many years ago, I was introduced to a hierarchy of effectiveness at a British Combat Association course run by Dennis Martin. It was presented as a pyramid with the most important things at the base and the less important things higher up. The order given, base to top, or most important, the least important, was uh, mindset. And on top of that, we have strategy. Then we have tactics. Then we have technique. And finally, we have kit. So mindset, strategy, tactics, technique, and kit, or equipment. The idea being that the person uh, aggressively using a brick, so that's high mindset, low kit, would be more dangerous than the person armed with a gun used timidly and incompetently. So he's got high kit, but he's low on everything else. Now, you'll notice how the criminal focuses on the most important two, you know, it's mindset and strategy. Whereas martial artists tend to emphasize technique in their thinking and practice, so you know, they're as high up the pyramid as you can go in unarmed combat, you know, where there is no kit. So as important as technique is, mindset and strategy are more important. The criminal has learnt this through direct experience. The moral martial artist needs to understand this too, so that their self-protection training also emphasizes mindset and simple strategy. You know, Mark McYoung, you I'm sure you're aware of, is a leading expert in the realities of criminal violence. Uh, Mark once remarked that you can summarize the physical side of self-protection in just three words. Him, down, now. So, him, down, now. So, you'll note the simplicity of that and how it mirrors what the criminal also knows to be uh, most effective. Violence is morally neutral. It's the ends it is put to that determine if violence is moral or not. Use violence to harm others for enjoyment or personal gain, and that violence is immoral. Use violence to protect yourself and others from harm, and that violence is moral. Morality has no bearing on how effective that violence will be, though. We can learn from the criminal element and ensure that our moral violence is as efficient as their immoral violence. So emphasizing mindset and simple strategy is vital in this regard. That's our first point. So the second point. Criminals understand the need to work from a position of advantage. Martial artists often overestimate the efficiency of reactive methods from a position of disadvantage. So criminals generally won't engage unless they feel sure of achieving their objective. You know, The last thing they want is a fight, You know, like a, a struggle, and, and we've talked about that before, how martial artists, because they're they conditioned to think of everything like a fight, they just misjudge it completely. They're thinking they're going to fight criminals, and they're not, because a criminal doesn't want to fight. They don't want to struggle. They're going to use surprise, numbers, weapons, and everything else to minimize any risk to themselves. As I say, far too many martial artists think of self-protection as being a street fight i.e. a square go, which will be decided by the comparative level of fighting skills, you know, the best fighter wins. The criminal knows different, it's irrelevant who the best fighter is because you know the, the criminal does not want to fight. When things do get physical the criminal knows what they need to do is maintain their advantage and violently and explosively exploit that advantage. In contrast what we often see in martial arts based self-defense training is the embedded assumption that the person will always be operating from a position of disadvantage the martial artist will be teaching you, you know he's out to stop the enemy's strike and he's out to escape from the holds and so on you know the criminal is always shown as being in a dominant position now defensive techniques have got a role but when things get physical uh, what we should not be doing is is being reactive we should be overwhelming the criminal with our own moral violence instead of trying to react to their immoral violence we need to seek the position of advantage. We even see the assumption and acceptance of disadvantage echoed in the language martial artists use. Um, The criminal is often labelled as the attacker, which imparts an assumption of advantage over the defender. It's also why I prefer the term self-protection over self-defence, because the defence part infers we are on the back foot and reacting to the criminal's attack. Although I do accept, you know, everyday and legal use of the term self-defence makes it inescapable in the wider world, but I think we'd be better thinking in terms of self-protection. At the point where violence can't be avoided, then it is the criminal who should be forced into the position of being the defender. We should act assertively and explosively, and has become, as I tell my own students, a typhoon of fists and feet, Once we can escape, then it's tactically and legally important that we do so. But we will gain the option to escape uh, a physical situation through the proactive use of violence. We will not be reacting to what the enemy does. They will be forced to react to what we are doing. Now, now of course, the criminal, in knowingly seeking the violence in the first place, they start from a position, position of advantage. You know They know that someone's going to be the victim before the day's out. They, they, they will pick that person. They know ahead of time. However, once we become aware of the criminal's intent, we can't think reactively. Uh, while making a mental assumption of disadvantage, if we want to come out on top, we need to think positively. Uh, W.E. Fairburn, who's a legend in the world of military hand-to-hand combat, you know, he said, he said, we should make our students attack-minded and dangerously so. I mean, that's sound advice. You know, we'll never be the cause of the violence. But once it can't be avoided, the situation needs to unfold on our terms. For our self-protection to be as effective as possible, we need to learn from our enemy. The criminal knows from experience what works best. So in summary, for physical self-protection, we should emphasize mindset and simple strategy over technique. The mindset is one of aggressive defiance. The strategy is to explosively cause harm to the criminal, as permitted by law, so we can escape. We should not overcomplicate or primarily seek to approach violence from a technical position of, if they do that, I will do this. I mean, that's very common in martial arts, but it's not how criminals approach violence. And that should be telling us something. You know, criminals don't have a big long list of, you know, what are scenarios are likely to happen in a conflict and you know, well if he does a push I'll do this, if he does a punch I'll do that, if he does a headbutt I'll do this. The, the, it's the other way around. They they will be the ones dominating and we should learn from them because by getting that into that position, that position of advantage, that's when we're most likely to come out on top. So when physical violence can't be avoided, we need to seek advantage and have the criminal reacting to us, as opposed to taking it as a given that we will be reacting to them. I mean, that effectively puts a criminal in charge. You know, it's saying, you, know, you tell me what to do. I will react to whatever you do. The criminal experiences and uses violence on a much more frequent basis than the vast majority of martial artists. It's a tool of the trade for them. They know what works. And that's why they always seek to work from a position of advantage and dominance. Technique and defensive methods are important. But mindset simple strategy and the need to dominate from a position of advantage are way more important. Any method which seeks to render ineffective the violence of criminals needs to be at least as effective as that violence. Failing to learn what makes criminal violence effective and failing to make use of that knowledge to ensure we can effectively counter criminal violence is sure to lead to disaster. A reactive, technique-centered approach won't cut it when applied to real violence, and that's why criminals don't operate in that way. Well, I hope you enjoyed that and it provided some uh, food for thought. Uh, I do think it's an area where martial artists do need to up their game, Uh, because at the moment what we have is we have people taking pre-existing skill sets and then trying to redefine the problem. So they'll go, you know, I have a kickboxing skills or ground fighting skills or whatever it is, they'll go, these are the skills I've got. I will now argue that criminal violence is is an exact fit for the pre-existing skills I have got. Okay, well that's the wrong way around and it sure will lead to disaster if it's ever tested. <laughs> the problem of course is most of the times it won't get tested. You know, we we live in a world that that's pretty um safe, you know, compared to certainly how it was in 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 the past. Um, So most martial artists can learn these skills, they can believe that they're an exact fit for criminal violence, and it will never get called on it, because it will probably never happen to them. Uh, But if it does, it's going to be disastrous, and I think that's highly irresponsible. So what we need to do, it should be the other way around, we should say, okay, what's the problem? What is criminal violence really like? and from there what is the optimum solution for that problem so when you do it that way we'll all end up doing the same stuff for that for that side of things you know we'll have our areas of interest some people will do the martial arts for health or enjoyment or sport and then some people want to fight standing up and people want to be really good lying down and you know there's all those kind of fun stuff that we can do around it for they've got their own inherent values but when it comes to self-defense it shouldn't matter whether we're a karate or a kickboxer, or an MMA guy to Tai Chi Brazilian Jiu Jitsu whatever it happens to be if you think about it logically we should all be doing the same thing because we're all trying to get the optimum solution to the same problem. So we'll have our little areas that we choose to go down for you know, interest and enjoyment and everything else. But when it comes to the self-defense side of what we do, we should all be doing the same thing. Now, what's interesting is if you look at the people who have actual real life experience of criminal violence, they are pretty much doing the same thing they will all emphasize you know the importance of you know not going to the ground they will emphasize the importance of deescalation skills preemption um, escape skills um, they will they will emphasize how it's not like a spar it's not like a square goal you know your mark mcyoungs rory miller's peter constantine's jeff thompson's you know they're all saying the same thing and you think that would get through but but it doesn't you know people just are so invested in the pre-existing solutions, they'll, they'll say, "No, no, I, I think it'll be like this." Well, you can think what it's going to be like all you like, but it doesn't mean it is going to be like that. So um, probably preaching to the converted, I guess. Cause, um, but if I'm not, I hope some of that <laughs> some of that was useful. And if uh, if you don't agree, I hope some of that was useful. And if you do agree, then I hope some of it's useful in explaining to others, you know, why we need to get this right, why we need to have problem defining solutions. Not pre-existing solution to a different problem been used to reinvent the problem um okay so um i hope you enjoyed this i also enjoy, hope you enjoy the workout podcast as well so i so say you've got a treat this month i've got two of them uh and i'll be back uh soon with the next podcast so um uh, oh nearly forgot nearly forgot um don't forget october that's 10 years of the podcast there's been loads of you who've uh, wrote in with your top 10 top two top three uh but i need more so again if you're listening to this and you haven't done that yet sort yourself out <laughs> Uh, as many as we can get, you know. I've, I've got a good number already. I want more, so um, just quick, quick email to Ian at What your favourite podcast, or three podcasts, four podcasts, up to a maximum of what your favourite ten podcasts have been for me, please, because uh, I've got something I think you'll like. But I, I need your help in in putting that together. Okay, I'll uh, speak to you soon. Have a great month, and I'll be back with a new podcast next month. Okay, take care. Bye bye.